in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the fucking players. Here's an important update. Oakland City Council is going to vote on an environmental impact report today regarding the A's new ballpark. Um, based on Libby Schaaf's statement yesterday, it sounds like a yes is a foregone conclusion. Say, did you read that statement? <laughs> I'd like to thank council members Joe, Mary, Susie, and Bob for their due diligence in this situation. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, are they even going to vote? <laughs> um this is uh, one of the steps to the A's staying in Vegas or in Oakland, excuse me, and not moving to Vegas. Uh, they still have to have a financial agreement. I think that's probably the last, probably big hurdle is coming to the financial terms and the agreement there as to how exactly everything is getting paid for. Where's Dave Cobble? He hasn't come him. back to Vegas. I miss Dave Cobble. Because these votes are a foregone conclusion. Yeah. If there was any doubt of these votes going against him, he'd, be, he'd have been in Vegas last yes. week. He'd have been here for Jack Eichel day yes, last He would night. have been here for Jack Eichel. Well, he did go to a Golden Knights game that one time he was in town, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, he loved the atmosphere, and he thought it would be great at a baseball game, too. So that doesn't appear to be working out very well. The A's are not coming. They are getting money in Oakland. I don't think the A's were ever coming. And staying put. Man, you know, that's a great question. All right. The Cowboys, according to ESPN, paid $2.4 million to settle a lawsuit. Uh, from the story, one of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders alleged that she clearly saw Richard Dalrymple, the Cowboys' longtime senior VP for public relations, standing behind a partial wall in their locker room with his iPhone extended toward them while they were changing their clothes. Dalrymple gained entry to the back door, uh, to the back door of the cheerleaders' locker room using a security key card. Dalrymple was also accused of a lifelong Cowboys fan of taking upskirt photos of Charlotte Jones Anderson, a team senior VP and the daughter of owner Jerry Jones. That was in the Cowboys war room during the 2015 NFL draft. So those are the accusations against Dalrymple. The Cowboys paid a $2.4 million lawsuit or settlement to those cheerleaders. The Cowboys, though, yesterday said they thoroughly investigated both alleged incidents and found no wrongdoing by Dalrymple and no evidence that he took photos or videos of the women. This is what I want to ask you, because um, I know uh, Rich Dalrymple and he's a media relations guy. So I want to ask you this. He said that he entered the cheerleaders locker room. And right away turned around and went off when they said we're changing, right? Yes. Why is the media relations director ever entering the cheerleader's locker room? That is a good question. I don't, even if you have a security guard, why, a security card, why are you ever, you're the media relations director. You're supposed to be, I don't know, up in the press box with media? I mean, or talking to the media about what they need? So he said he turned around and went right out. Why, what would they ever, cheerleaders, Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders have their own coach. They have their own people who oversee them. So that's the only person, and it's a woman, as it should be in that situation, entering the lo entering their locker room. I don't know why the media relations person would ever enter a cheerleader's locker room. Right. So even if he said, I went in and left right away, my question, if I'm Jerry Jones, is why are you in there? 
Yeah. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> um, it's also obviously very suspicious that yes. they paid this settlement while saying, well, nothing happened. Right. Um, also, they said that they found no evidence of wrongdoing. According to this ESPN story, they issued him an official warning in 2015. So I think the Cowboys are lying when they say they found no evidence of anything because all their actions imply that they did find some evidence of this. So Dallas Cowboys, not a great story this morning. I'm out. Aaron Rodgers and oh, Shailene Woodley have broken up. What a shame. They got engaged She's last the February. Actress, yes. Uh, I, yes, I don't know who she is, but. <laughs> Actress is what I was told. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what she was in. She an actress? Ever, but she's yeah. an actress. Uh, yeah, she is. She is an actress. I just don't know what she's in. I had never heard of her until she started she dating Aaron Rodgers. All right. Here's a here's a hot take for you. Shailene Woodley caused all the Aaron Rodgers drama. Oh. I'm not going to discount that. I'm looking up what she's in. <laughs> uh, the Secret Life of the American Teenager made her film debut in The Descendants, winning some kind of trophy for it, Golden Globe. Uh, the Speculator Now. Um, so, yeah, she's a, uh, let's see, I guess she's a uh, big, it was just in Big Little Lies. So she's been in some something, so a few things. Um, oh, man, starting my uh, daughter's favorite uh, favorite movie in 2014, the, the Fault in Our Stars. Wow. Okay. So that's that's now I know who she is. Now you know who she now is. Now I know who she is. Good to go. Right. Wow. Um, I don't know what else to do with that other than I will say this. TMZ, they had a fun little report that they uh, that Rogers and Woodley had broken up in December. It was around December when Aaron Rodgers started saying that I'm good to go with the Packers GM. I'm good to go with the front office here. Suddenly I had no that's problem with the Packers anymore. Saying there's some evidence there. There's some evidence there that it was all Shailene Woodley. She's from Denver or something like that. She wanted him to go to the Broncos, and Packers weren't letting that happen. Now that they've broken up, it won't matter. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Juan Soto turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract offer from the Nationals. Soto is going to make $15.5 million this year. After that, he is, still has two years of arbitration eligibility, which means you get a one-year contract that uh, pays you roughly $15, $20 million. After that, it'd be a free agent unrestricted in 2025 at the age of 26. Uh, that 13-year, $350 million contract offer from the Nationals would only have paid him $27 million per year. That would not have made Juan Soto a top 10 player right. by average salary. Yeah, they compared... Uh... They compared contracts yesterday like Tatis and others. So, not surprised he turned it down. Not at all. Uh, that's a no-brainer um, if you're Juan Soto because he might he might be better than everybody else yeah. in this sport. That like, has that, that they're definitely better than a lot of people who have more, who are making right. more money. Like, that might happen, and he's already, like, we're already talking about him not being in the top 10 paid if he signed it right now. No What's chance. that going to look no. like in 13 years, no. right? What's that going to look like in seven years when he's still probably going to be a top 15 player in the sport, right? It's a no, it's a no brainer from the turn out because here's the other fun part. Carlos Correa, right? Number one free agent this off season, 10 years, 300 something million is coming his way. Most likely, right? And everybody's excited because he's 27 years old. Juan Soto is much better than Carlos Correa and would be a free agent at 26. Yeah. 
Yeah. The Nationals are going to have to offer him a lot more than $27 million yeah. a year for him to sign up. Like, they're either going to have to give him a 30-year contract or they're going to have to give him a 13-year like where he's getting 400, $450 million. Plus, right? right. Like, it's going to have to be a lot more than what they offered. What do you think? Also in baseball, Major League Baseball and the Players Association are scheduled to meet today. I just have a question for you. Is there any reason they don't meet every day? <laughs> That's a great question. Or at least well, they've like got to go back and discuss the proposals and say, what do you think about that proposal? Okay. You know, we'll, we'll see you guys on Friday. I guess. I guess. They have to go back and then they come up with new proposals that nobody's going to agree to anyway. I guess. I just, it seems like, to me, it shouldn't be news that they're meeting. There's a lockout. There's right. not going to be baseball. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to have already <laughs> reported. Why is there not a meeting? Like, what are they doing that's not meeting? Like, does it take that long to discuss the proposals here? I feel like you can meet for half the day. With those two sides, it might. And discuss the, and then stop meeting and discuss with your team for the other half of the day. That's what I was thinking. Like, do they just meet and then say, okay, I'll see you tomorrow to talk about it. And then we'll meet again in two days. <laughs> Why not just today's meet, Danny, do. today's meeting might be simply to schedule another meeting yes. next week. Probably at this case. <laughs> they might not actually discuss anything. It might just be to schedule something for next week. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Mike McDaniel says, Tua has a skill set that will be very successful. Quote, what I've seen is a skill set that I'm familiar with that's very successful in this offense. You're seeing a very accurate passer that receivers love to catch footballs from. Tight spirals and accurate throws, are, <laughs> are which are huge for run after the catch and yak yardage. Uh, how good do you think Tua is uh, actually going to be with Mike McDaniel? I don't know if Tua is going to be much better than what we've seen from Tua. I don't know if he can exponentially improve. I think that's that's a coach coming in and a lot of coach speak there. I like the tight spirals and accurate throws. Tight spiral. Well, he better have accurate throws. I know. But why is what, he your quarterback if he can't throw accurately? What else is he good for if there's no accurate throws coming in? Um, yeah, so this is... Um, I'm curious to see how good Tua can be because... Is Mike basically is Mike McDaniel going to be able to do what Sean McVay did with golf? Jared Goff had some good seasons. Matthew Stafford had a good season. Uh, Sean McVay did it with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Basically, can you coach an Kyle Shannon? An average, yeah, Kyle Shannon. Can you coach an average quarterback in, 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 in into a top five offense, right? Where you, you obviously need other good players on that offense, but can you take an average quarterback and basically coach them into hey? This is still a top five offense. Well, people have done it. You just you just mentioned two people who did it, but I just I'm not a Tua fan. I guess I should preface it with that. And I know I don't know how much better Tua can become under Mike McDaniel. Yeah, and that's fair. I I'm curious to see how much better he gets because what the Dolphins did last year, generally speaking, a lot of short throws. Right? right. That's that's what it was, and that's what it sounds like Mike McDaniel is going to go to is hey. Be accurate on short throws. And, and it'll be we'll, yards after catch. We'll design stuff right. for Jalen Waddle to, to have a bunch right. of yards after catch. So that would imply he's going to be the same type of guy he was. Maybe a little bit better. We'll see. But I am curious to see if Mike McDaniel can do with Tua what we saw McVay and Shanahan do with some, you know. Uh, Tua's not as good as Stafford. But so Goff and, no, and but Garoppolo. Goff and, and Garoppolo. You can probably say they're in the same yeah, tier there. Exactly. And they've had really good team success. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Charlotte FC has sold over 65,000 tickets for their first ever MLS home game. 
Uh, they new expansion franchise. They play LA Galaxy on March 5th, so they have a you know marquee opponent coming in. 65,000. They're playing at the Charlotte Panthers uh, stadium, so it's not a soccer-specific stadium. 65,000 is a massive number. That's huge. You, you have down here the Las Vegas Villains. That's your name, right? That's uh, Wes Eden's name. That's what he's named. I don't oh, want to be the Wes name Eden's. I remember. I forgot Villains about him. Villains isn't a great name. I forgot about Wes Eden's. Yeah. If they if they played a game at Allegiant Stadium, if they played their season opener at Allegiant Stadium, are they getting sixty five thousand? I don't think they're getting sixty five thousand. I don't think they are either. Would they get forty five? I I don't. How cheaper tickets? (laughs) Well, you know MLS. How cheaper tickets? I have no idea. Not cheap. So the problem, the funny part of the Charlotte FC story, the fun detail is that they have sold out the upper deck before the lower deck because people think the lower deck tickets are too expensive. And I think it's like 175 is the get-in price in the lower deck, cheaper in the upper deck. Also, Charlotte FC sold PSLs. Oh, they did. Yes, which I, is going to be a night. God, do not do that here. I don't know be if they nightmare. can get away with that. So, like, there's a lot of pushback here on Charlotte being like, "Hey, we want to support this team. We we care about this team. But stop trying to charge us so much damn money for these tickets." But they got sixty-five thousand. Right, and upper deck sold out. Apparently, the lower bowl not. Sold out at the moment, which is a weird, weird thing to have. The upper deck sell out first, but that is a huge number for a soccer team to have in their first game at 65,000. Coming up next, what do the Raiders need this offseason? No offensive linemen? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I'm watching our first chicken race in the morning. Fifth place with 40 meters to go. We don't have a shot at top three. Not a good start. This, this should be our best Wait. chicken, too. Oh, this is the day that's going at eight hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're starting. Is this your first yeah, race first of the day? first one in the morning. Oh, yeah. We've, we're have we already in about seven or eight. I think you'd like, you pump the brakes and see how you do. Well, we can get all the chickens in at least one race and see how they all do and then and then go from there. But how yeah. many chickens do you have? Uh, well, we're not racing all of them. We have 41. We're say. not racing all of them. We're only racing. We've only raced like. Probably 12, 13 of our chickens. Total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we want to say, okay, we learned this from horses. There's more value in horses or chickens that are unraced than ones that you actually race. Well, yeah, because if it stinks right. and it keeps finishing seventh, no one's going to buy it from you. It's not not ideal. But if people can be like, oh, it's never raced before. It might be actually pretty good. It's not a good start. Also, though, an important update for you. Um, well, it's an update. <laughs> Jimmy Washington followed me on Twitter this morning. And then promptly tweeted, what's today's link for the chicken races? My goodness. This is what this show has become. And it's more popular than everything else we do. They're not here for Jack Eichel takes. No, They're They're here for Chicken 407 finishing seventh. This is Christian and Jimmy. Christian, Jimmy, and Sploosh. Wow. Tyler's becoming a star. Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers. (laughs) Christian, Jimmy, and Sploosh. So now I'm going to have to send them some links to some chicken races today. Um because why wouldn't you want to watch the chickens race? Did you send Willie the link? I did not send. Does Willie want a link? No, he watched the race last night. Oh, well, I tweeted oh. it out to somebody else, so he might have seen my tweet to somebody else. Yeah, and your partner would have probably helped him. Probably. Yeah. Okay, just a watch. Yeah. All right. What a morning. Hopefully we win some of these and not finish seventh all the time. That's not good. 407's supposed to be our best chicken. And he finished seventh? Finished, he's, he's, 
he had like a seven race streak where he was in the top three in all seven. I think we're at like up to five now since he's been in the top three. Wow. So we are uh downturn here for chicken four Oh seven. We'll see how we do throughout the morning. I don't know how many I'm going to watch. I might just wait and watch them all when I get home. So, but good, good or bad start to the morning, but I'm excited because we have chickens running here now on the Raiders. My goodness. PFF pro football focus. They uh, went through all 32 teams listed out the needs for each team this off season for the Raiders, four positions of need wide receiver, defensive tackle, cornerback and linebacker. So the first question I have for you is a position not listed on there. Where's offensive line? Uh, yeah, I'm and look, PFF does the best job. They're amazing guys. We met them on Radio Row, and it's embarrassing to try to talk football with them because they're just so uh, knowledgeable. But I don't know how you can't look at that team and know it's who's on the offensive line, who might not be coming back on the offensive line, and still say now if you want to say wide receivers the number one uh, you know area of need. Okay, I can buy that. Um, but I would get to offensive line. I mean, we don't know what Casey Hayward's going to do, but I, I'd get to the offensive line probably before corner and linebacker, defensive tackle. Eh, they don't have a defensive yeah. tackle is the issue. The four guy, the guys that played the four most snaps at D tackle and nose tackle are all free agents. So technically, that's a need because okay. there there are no bodies okay. at that position right. <laughs> that we know of. Right. So like. Maybe they don't have to go sign a star there, but that is a need simply because everybody's a free agent that signed there. But I would, in all honesty, offensive line is number one to me. Oh, it is over wide receiver. It's number one because they can survive at wide receiver if it's Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Zay Jones. Zay Jones. But I, if they make a signing like Nelson Aguilar again, right? They signed Aguilar for a million dollars two off seasons ago. He had a really good year. They can make a sort of middle of the road free agent signing at wide receiver and be fine. Again, it's not going to be a great group, but between Waller and Renfro, if you have a guy that's just fine out there, they'll be okay. Like if they decided to spend a bunch of money on offensive line or defensive tackle or corner or linebacker or any of the other spots, I think they'd be fine. At offensive line, they I think they need at least two guys and maybe three. Like you look at like Colton Miller, good to go. Don't have to worry about it. Andre James at center is probably the second best. And it took him an entire half season just to come around. And just to be competent. Yeah, not even good, right? right? That was just Andre James's average. Right. But then you're looking at left guard, right? What are you doing there? Right guard is Alex Leatherwood. Well, we know what they're doing there. And right tackle, where is Alex Leatherwood moving back to tackle? Like, there's three positions of question marks. I would assume just because there are enough holes to fill that Alex Otherwood's going to get another shot, whether it's tackle or guard, I don't know, but I would assume Alex Otherwood at least gets another shot at starting next year, but that still leaves two positions you've got to fill. And so that to me makes it the number one spot. Everything else yeah, I, I think would be secondary to offensive line. So I was a little surprised the pro football focus had this and, and offensive I'm surprised line they didn't list them at all. Right. I mean, if you want to put them, you know, second or third, okay, we can argue that, but I'm surprised they didn't list them at all. Like, I absolutely more than linebacker. I mean, Denzel Perryman's still under contract, and even, and so is Corey Littleton, and so is Nick Kwiatkowski, even though, like, Littleton hasn't been good. Littleton's underachieved. Those guys haven't lived up to the contracts. They're still under contract and probably better than most of the offensive line the Raiders have. And linebacker is, relatively speaking, one of the less valuable positions on the team. Like you'd rather have a good defensive line, a good secondary before you have a good uh, linebacking group. Now 
The one that Pro Football Focus listed as the number one need was wide receiver for the Raiders. And here's, we did this last week on Radio Row, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. We've seen Jamar Jefferson, uh, or Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, making them the same guy. We've seen rookie wide receivers come in and be unbelievably good. We've also seen guys like Jalen Waddle in Miami, Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, who have been good, okay. right? The, their offenses aren't as prolific, right. but if they had better quarterbacks, they might be uh, Chase and Jefferson. We've seen rookie wide receivers come in and immediately make an impact, immediately be like, hey, that guy's a number one wide receiver, right? Do you think the Raiders should try to fill that sort of outside number one wide receiver? Is it better for them to go draft and hope they get a cheap Chase Jefferson Waddle Smith or better to go free agency and land what is, you know, a known player, Devontae Adams being the biggest name that's out there. It's interesting because I saw two mocks yesterday which have him taking an Alabama receiver in the first round and the first sentence is he had a knee injury. So I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not so sure that's good. Um, they have a lot of cap space, so I think maybe you look at some of these in, uh, these free agents. I People keep listening to Devontae Adams. I think a lot has to do with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, isn't, I don't think, wants to come back for whatever reason without him, and they can tag Devontae Adams. I still think they're going to franchise tag Devontae Adams. So now you're down to the Chris Godwins. Mike Williams got hurt this year. Allen Robinson. Odell Beckham, we know, blew the ACL. Um, what could you get these guys for in terms of free agency? They do have cap room, though. They have they have money to spend. So the names you just listed there, Godwin, Williams, Allen Robinson. Odell's probably falling out of that. But right. Godwin, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson. Those are the three non-Devontae Adams free agents that I think the Raiders could sign, and you could say, yeah, that guy is a number one level wide receiver. Better than right? what you have. If you have to move down Odell with the L, but the next best wide receivers DJ are like Chark. DJ Chark, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup. Those guys are fine. Like, they're good wide receivers, but you're not bringing those guys in and significantly changing the offense. Godwin Williams Robinson, though, are the three that, okay, if you can get one of those, that probably makes a substantial difference. The question becomes price. I don't think you should pay any of those three more than $20 million. They're worth it. They'll probably get it. But if you told me the Raiders sign Allen Robinson for $22 million a year, I think that would be a bad signing because... And you'd rather go young. I think you can, A, draft a guy and get close to Allen Robinson production for a a fourth, a fifth of the price, whatever that number ends up being. Or honestly... Sign DJ Chark for half of what you're going to pay Allen Robinson. And DJ Chark can probably give you 80, 90% of right. the production Allen Robinson gives you. I think it's it's either at the wide receiver spot, Devontae Adams, who we know is superstar, top, one of the best wide receivers in the game. If he's, if he's able to come to Vegas, if you, he becomes a free agent, you can sign him and you break the bank for him. Okay. Outside of that, I don't think you go for that second tier. I, d- I don't think the cost is worth But I think you could get maybe Godwin or Williams for 20. Make it make it 15, and I'd feel a lot better about it. But 20, I, I think that's just where, because of what we've seen rookie wide receivers do, 20 is a lot. It starts to be the same conversation as quarterbacks, right, where we, we do it with Derek Carr all the time. We know Godwin's good. We know Allen Robinson's good, right? We know Derek Carr's good. With the salary cap, is it worth paying Derek Carr $40 million? 40 Is it million. worth paying those guys 20, 20. $22 million? You can make the argument that it's better off to just draft a guy and hope you get 75% of the production for 20% of the cost and spend your money elsewhere. I did laugh that everyone has them taking an Alabama receiver. <laughs> 
because we know now it has to be Alabama or Clemson, no matter who the coaches are. New staff, there's though. A new, yeah, there's exactly. A new staff. Can you imagine if they start taking Clemson and Alabama play? Like, wait a minute. We've seen this before. We've seen this story before. Does Mark Davis fire them if their first <laughs> three picks are all Clemson and Alabama? Say, hold on. You guys are supposed that to be That did different. not work last time. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Millsy Millard. Good morning, Darren. Why is Jack Eichel not any good? What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> you guys are perfect. I was actually ready for this one. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew I, it was yeah, because he wasn't any good. I hope you were ready for Talk it. About underwhelming. <laughs> Jeez, is this, is this, was this the hype? Where's Alex Tuck? That guy's getting 19 uh, points in 20 funny. games. Uh, what, what did you guys? Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, an opportunity to see uh, Jack Eichel play in the game? He wasn't very good. <laughs> He took two penalties. Yeah, he he did take uh, two penalties. Uh, I actually thought uh, it was the first shift was was awesome uh, when he uh, had all the zone time and and able to control it. Uh, it took a couple of bumps from Devon Taves and then threw a hit to himself. The first power play was uh, was dynamic and and then they, they settled into the game and uh, I, I thought that line played pretty well. I, I thought it was a really good hockey game. Uh, I, I don't know whether you guys uh, agree with that, but, but back and forth and, and great goaltending uh, on both sides. And, uh, and uh, Colorado was able to, to score that, uh, that uh, very pivotal first goal. But uh, for, for a team that, uh, uh, that's on, on such a roll, I, I thought, I thought uh, that that one could have gone either way. Vegas um, needs to, to find a way to score some goals here. But, uh, but on the whole, like if you take that game, as a one-off, uh, that that was a that was a fun game to watch. By the way, that pivotal first goal, Jack Eichel not really pressuring the pass from Kale McCarr at the blue line. Yeah, and you know what? That's that's what. Uh, well, first of all, that's Kale McCarr, and uh, you uh, it's Jack Eichel. You yeah, yeah, you haven't played in a while. Uh, you're you're going to be hesitant, and that uh, that's exactly what Pete DeBoer warned us about was 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 being. Um, uh, respective of the fact that he hadn't played in 11 months. Uh, I, I, I kind of put that aside yesterday uh, on, on our show and talked about how excited I was and, and, uh, and, and shelved all the uh, reservations and just wanted it to, to watch him play and go out and, and, and do his thing. So um, I don't want to be uh, accused of talking uh, out of both sides of my mouth, but that, but that is, to, to give Pete credit, uh, exactly what he, he cautioned uh, us about uh, because uh, in a normal situation, uh, Jack Heichel would probably play that a little differently. But uh, because it's Gail McCarr, you're you're a little bit more reserved uh, and and aware of of who that is, and and you you might uh, you you back off a little bit. But uh, it was um, uh, Nick Waugh uh, who talked about uh, system wise, and, and William Carlson mentioned this as well. That, uh, that the biggest adjustment that Jack would have had uh, in the first going uh, would, would be getting used to uh, the system and playing with new players. And uh, there was some of that yesterday uh, in, in just isolating and watching him uh, during shifts and, and probably thinking too much and uh, thinking more than he normally would uh, is probably a better way to say that. And, and, uh, I think we'll see in the next uh, few games him being able to just uh, freewheel it a little bit and things being uh, a little more natural. But 
uh, I, I liked what uh, that that line did with with Pacioretty and Donov, and uh, I thought there was uh, some sparks of the, on, on the power play. Um, it's it's not a game. It's it's a tough tough one to analyze because you're watching Jack so much, uh, and then there's the result of the game, and nobody's pleased with the result of the game. But uh, I think that there were signs uh, on the Jack Eichel side for a player that's coming off the first ever. Like he made history last night playing uh, off that surgery. Nobody's ever done that in the National Hockey League, and I don't think that should be lost. But uh, uh, I thought there was uh, there was some some signs there. Not many signs on that second line until they switched it back to the Misfits, though. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I I actually like the Nick Waugh uh, combination with Marcia So and uh, uh, Chandler Stevenson. I, I thought they were really good, but uh, but the uh, uh, the the Misfit uh, line was was reunited, and and I, I, that's always maybe your 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 fallback. And especially in the game where you haven't scored in a while and you're pushing to, to score a goal, uh, I'll be curious, Ed, whether they go back to the way they started last night, uh, because uh, I I like I like that third line, uh, which actually is is the most productive line out of any of the lines that they went into. Like when you when you total up the, all the points between the individual players, that perceived third line had uh, had the most points of, of anybody, and, and I thought it played. Really well. I thought Chandler Stevenson was uh, really noticeable last night, and in, in being able to push the puck and the, the being able to offset the centers uh, on, on certain draws with uh, with a lefty and the righty, and, and Nick Wall. We saw that late in the, in the game with with that combination. So maybe it's the the winger that gets switched around, uh, but but Chandler Stevenson and Nick Wall looked like they had some chemistry. How concerning do you think Robin Leonard's injury is? Well, I think it's uh, concerning that the, you you haven't uh, played or practiced since uh, the Calgary game, which we're going on over a week, and uh, we we know that uh, that he's seen some um, got some testing uh, on on uh, the injury, and so yeah, that's um, that's that's concerning because uh, of of the time that it's uh, uh, caused him to miss. Uh, Going going forward, so uh, yeah, I, I, there's if if you're going to say it's not concerning, then then you either uh, don't have uh, faith in, in Robin or, or you're you're making it up, you're you're lying. So uh, I uh, I think Robin Leonard's uh, a great goaltender, and him not being in the lineup and not being in the lineup for a while, uh, coming off uh, the break and then the the two practices and, and the game yesterday. Uh, is concerning. Uh, I, I don't know what the injury is, but uh, uh, I'm hopeful that it's something that can be uh, uh, fixed or or uh, dealt with in, in a short period of time. I'll, I'll be curious to see see what happens. We said a month. I want to get your thoughts on this. How long would Brassard have to play this well for you? If if Robin, you know, was long term, <laughs> how long would he have to play this well when you'd say? We don't need to make a trade. Flurry, you stay in Chicago. Why the hell would we make a trade for anybody? <laughs> well, um, I don't know whether Flurry's staying in Chicago. I just know he's not coming. He's to not Vegas. coming, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So let's. Uh, uh, I'll just just clarify that part of it. Uh, the the Brassois question. That's that's uh, uh, Robin Leonard's the number one guy here, right? But but we we were saying I, if something really was wrong with him. 
how long would this guy have to play this well for you to be like, all right, they probably don't make need to make a move? No, they'll make a move. I, I think they make a move uh, just because you want uh, some some insurance behind him. And Logan Thompson's made one National Hockey League start and has been pro for two years. Uh, and I, I would uh, fully anticipate uh, that, that that they would make a move. Like if, 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 if that was the scenario that you paint out, then you've got the uh, the salary cap relief from from Robin Leonard's uh, uh, money that uh, that you would go out and you would make some kind of corresponding move uh, to. Uh, I don't want to speak for for Kelly McCrimmon, but that's certainly what what I would do is uh, is is use that money to to acquire uh, some kind of goaltending depth. But uh, I've, I've been impressed, like quietly, it's happened quietly, but uh, Laurent Bressois is easily. The, the most effective and productive backup this franchise has ever seen. And I don't count the, the tandem year, uh, year and a half with, with uh, Flurry and Letter because that they were, they were more equal. But uh, based on all the goaltenders that uh, backed up, most of the time it was uh, Malcolm Subban, uh, look, look at the numbers that uh, Bersois is putting up and the wins, losses, and, and what he's been able to do. That was the longest shutout streak of his career. Uh, he blanked Edmonton last uh, last time, and he, and he held Colorado off the scoreboard for two periods last night. Uh, and, and there's a big gap in, in between both of those starts. Uh, it's, it's been pretty impressive what uh, Laurent Bersois has been able to do. Uh, on the back burner of all the other stories that, that have happened this year, uh, that's that's been really one of the True positives. All right, Darren, this, well, I was going to ask you a fun question, but it's probably going to take whoa, you too long to answer. Whoa, now you're going to go serious on me. Yeah, but it's probably going to take too long to answer. But we talked to Greg Wyshynski yesterday and asked him about sort of long-term IR shenanigans. And the Lightning did it last year, won the Cup. The Golden Knights could be doing it this year and could win a Cup. But Greg Wyshynski basically said that the NHL isn't too worried about it simply because there's a punishment in place, right? Like Mark Stone doesn't get to play for 30 games. Right. If that's what the Golden Knights do. Like, do you think that holds true even if Vegas were to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, there, there's there's no way Mark Stone is sitting on the sidelines uh, just to activate Jack Eichel. Like, it's ludicrous that that, that, that would be the case uh, for somebody that, that loves the game as much as he does and is valuable uh, to the team, uh, to the level that, that Mark Stone is at. And, and for look at the career accomplishments, games played, goals, assists. Every athlete looks back at that. They want that. And it's the same, the same for Kucherov. I, I, I don't think that it's, uh, it's valid. It's, it's conspiracy. I understand that. Uh, it, uh, the, the timing, everything looks good. But uh, to, to make that, you, you think that. But uh being able to uh, shut down Mark Stone, look for an answer, and being able to activate Jack Eichel is uh, a positive. Being able to do something like that and, and being able to uh, go that route. But there's no way Mark Stone is being uh, allowed to or, or is allowing himself to be shut down just to activate uh, Jack Eichel if he could play. All right. He's Darren Millard, VGK Insider Show. I don't believe him, but you can. Listen to him over on Fox Sports Las Vegas every day. Or... You're a conspiracy That's theorist. right. That's right. Why wouldn't you do it? It's Have brilliant. You listen to this show. It's brilliant. It's yeah, a great move point, by Ed. the front office. It's <laughs> Ed, a terrific move. It was good to see you move. this week. It was good to see good you. Good to see you, buddy. Month. It was awesome. See you, Darren. So there's you. Darren Millard. 
uh, VGK Insider Show and AT&T Sportsnet uh, pre-post and intermission when the games are not on uh, TNT. Coming up next, great night in the NBA last night. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Last night, phenomenal night of NBA basketball. You had the Lakers beat the Jazz. LeBron went on a 7-0 run by himself in the fourth quarter to give the Lakers the lead. He had 33 points on 14 of 23 shooting. Like that was peak LeBron and Russell Westbrook actually played pretty well. So it didn't miss it, mess it up. However, despite the Lakers getting what's probably a pretty big win for them. Did you see Anthony Davis's ankle sprain? Yeah. Uh, well, I saw a screenshot of it. Well, that's it probably worse good. than the it actual was, video. It was worse than actually watching it live. God, it looked pretty brutal. Um, it is interesting, by the way, how ankle sprains or guys rolling their ankles can look so bad and guys pop right back right. sometimes. Anthony Davis did not. Um, he missed the rest of the game. Um, I believe they said x-rays were negative, but he's be just out. The all-star break's basically here. He's done through the all-star break, and then they'll reevaluate. But, man, that looked pretty rough. And if you're listen, if you're the Lakers, granted, your you know, title hopes probably don't actually exist, but Anthony Davis being hurt again? Like that's just a that's just a killer blow to any any real hope you'd have if that happened. On top of the Lakers, uh, the Nuggets beat the Warriors. Monte Morris hit a game-winning three at the buzzer to win by one. Nikola Jokic posted a 35-17 and eight line last night. Nikola Jokic has been phenomenal, and the Knicks blew a 28-point lead in the second <laughs> half to the Nets and lost. This is a Nets team that does not have Kyrie Irving. Does not have Kevin Durant. Uh, doesn't have Ben Simmons yet. Uh, Cam Thomas was the leading scorer for the Brooklyn Nets as they came back to beat the Knicks last night. And that doesn't even include DeMar DeRozan broke a Wilt Chamberlain record for most consecutive games with 35 points on 50% or better shooting. I wish I wasn't a VJK. I had to understand exactly <laughs> what you're talking about with all these NBA games. I, I was following the Lakers though, against the Jazz, and uh, I did see the LeBron streak. Uh, people were tweeting about that. Um, but yeah, the jazz, jazz are a weird team. I, I never really totally believe in them or embrace them as a, as a title contender, even though they win a lot of games. They're, they're a weird team. Yeah. Like they're good, but they're you're good. right. Like, it's kind of like, okay, like they're they're in the four seed right now. Like yeah, they're good. I just don't believe in them. Like right now they'd get a home, they'd get a home they, court they, advantage they, in the first round. But you're right. I don't think I don't think anybody would would believe that they were actually going to be good. They would right now. It would be Utah, Dallas in the first round of the playoffs, and they could lose that. Yeah, they could. Utah might win that, but then they'd get matched up with Phoenix. And uh, would anybody? I don't think anybody would give them a shot no. to beat Phoenix. No, which is you know interesting because they're they're good. I mean they're they're solid. They would be the three seed in the East right now based on their record. And they would they would fit in well with the Chicago, Miami, Cleveland trio of like, yeah, you got a good record, but nobody actually thinks you're any good. So he might eventually come back and play, but who's a bigger bust right now? Anthony Bennett or Zion Williamson? Right now, it's got to be Anthony Bennett simply because okay. Zion Williamson can still potentially play. <laughs> and... When Zion has played, he's looked really good. Right. Right? Like, I mean, there's there's been reasons. 85 games in three seasons. Yeah, which, by the way, stole this stat from Reddit. Greg Oden in his first three years played 82 mm -hmm. games. 
Like if, if Zion Williamson does not play again, he's basically played the same amount of games through three Greg years Oden. as Greg Oden did. And Greg Oden is viewed as one of the biggest right. busts as a first round bust as a first round pick simply because he couldn't play threes. And we're probably looking at that again with the, the grid or with the, the Pelicans and Zion here. Like that's in all seriousness, what we're probably looking at here. So yeah, I don't, I mean, it's rough because I want to watch the guy play. I, oh, the, the, absolutely. That was one of the guys coming out of college. I was most excited to watch play to see how he could translate and how dominant he could be. And the few times that we've seen it, he is the, the way he attacks the rim is unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? Like it's something like it's incredible how, how he attacks the rim and it's something you want to see. And can he do it for a long time and all that? But I don't know that we're going to ever going to no. see it. I mean, he played 60 something games last year. Is he going to play 60 something games? In his career? I don't know. He's having like another foot surgery. That, and it's, and not da- it's not good to have bad feet long-term in the league. Right. And that's that's the thing. Like, this started off in the offseason with the Pelicans saying, okay, he'll be back for the start mm-hmm. of the year. That that was the initial offseason report. And that, to me, is probably the most worry, worrisome part of this, is they thought he was going to be ready to go for the start of the regular season. And it's February 17th, and the next now the report is he might have to have a second surgery on the yeah. foot. How how poorly did this rehab and recovery well, go? I was just going to say he, he had foot surgery and never played. It's one thing if you have foot surgery and you come back and play and then you injure yourself again, you have to have the second surgery. But who's who's doing the rehab? Yes. If you, I mean, I, I assume he rehabbed it to the point where he was maybe running up and down a court and he hurt himself again. How else could he hurt himself to where he has a second surgery and hasn't played in a game? Has he run yet? Like that well, I, I don't know. I mean, there were reports that he was working out on his own. So I don't know if that's good. I don't know. Uh, work, working out away from the team, I guess, was yeah, the better phrase. Probably there. never a good thing. But yeah, it's uh, not ideal for the Pelicans there and uh, Zion Williamson, even though I hope they come back. Hope we get to see him back over there. Um, Nikola Jokic, you think he's going to be MVP? ESPN did a straw poll of voters. Joel Embiid was one. Was Nikola he? Nikola Jokic was two. Was he? Nicole, I got I to gotta look this up. Nikola Jokic is having one of the most unbelievable like seasons, statistically, that we've ever seen. I would think he's over Embiid. I would, too. That somewhat surprises me. He is, he is like... I don't. I think he still is leading his team in points, blocks, rebounds, and assists. And I and I think steals at one point. He was leading them in all five of sort of the major wow. total categories that we keep. He's having one of the most remarkable statistical seasons an NBA player has ever had, and should probably win MVP. Like Joel Embiid's been awesome, but like if Jokic is having a historically great year, give him the trophy.